All right, guys, let's talk boundaries. This is a huge topic. Boundaries are really a representation of your own self-worth. So they are the standard at which people will meet you at. They are a verbal expression of what you will and will not tolerate. In my course, Building Better Boundaries, my mini course, I will teach you guys how to begin creating boundaries in your life. So it is time to begin raising your standards in relationships, setting boundaries, and learning how to enforce them. Sign up today, links below. Okay guys, welcome back to Heal, Survive, and Thrive. So excited you're here. We're gonna talk about emotional abuse today. I love talking about emotional abuse because it is a really important topic that most people know nothing about, quite frankly. And I wanna talk about the effect that it has on us. So, you know, narcissistic abuse is probably one of the worst types of psychological abuse that a person can experience. Whether it's a child with an emotionally abusive parent or whether it's an adult with an abusive or narcissistic partner, the effects that you will face having gone through a really deep emotionally abusive relationship is, I mean, they're pretty extreme. And so you kind of have to understand how this is going to affect you. And the reason why is because then you can undo the emotional damage that will be there after having gone through this relationship. I think most people experience relationships with people that are abusive or unhealthy or toxic, whether it's narcissistic abuse or emotional abuse, and they're very unaware that they even had those types of relationships in their life. And so not only are you unaware to the relationship, but then you don't understand the magnitude that that relationship then had on yourself and more specifically on your brain. You know, the effects of the brain and the effects of the brain having gone through traumas are a real thing and when we're healing and recovering and we're trying to overcome these situations that we've been through this is why it's so important is because it is not an easy quick fix to really undo the long-term damage that these relationships have had on us you know there is also a physical aspect of the brain that becomes damaged um, when we suffer this type of abuse and victims experience a shrinking of a part of our brain actually called the hippocampus and a swelling of the other part called the amygdala. And I remember years ago really learning about this stuff and under, like thinking to myself like, oh my God, I'm, I'm actually gonna start going really deep now because I'm gonna understand the brain. But I think it's a huge I mean, it's a huge thing that we should learn and be teaching our kids in school is the effects of the brain, how the brain works, the different aspects of it, um, and more specifically, how they become damaged in certain types of environments. You know, the, the hippocampus is a is critical in learning and developing memory. So while the part of the brain, like the amygdala, is really where your kind of like a negative emotions um, are stored, like shame and guilt and fear um, and envy, you know, that we might experience in our lives. When both of these are physically affected, it changes how our brain will actually process things. And when people say to me, 
why can't I get over this relationship? Or why do I keep, you know, um, attracting unhealthy people? It's it's a multitude of things. Yes, it's going to be a lot of learning how to love yourself and all of those things, absolutely. And all of those things are what's helping your brain to basically heal itself because of the damage it has actually experienced. So let's talk about the hippocampus because this is important to understand these two really, really big parts of the brain. And I don't want to go too deep on the brain and tell you like the different, all these other different parts of it, but these two are probably the biggest ones. Um, One of the most important functions of the hippocampus is that it is responsible. And and you know me, I'm always going to give you short term, get it to the point, layman's terms, easy to remember. I'm not going to go too deep because there's no need. You know, you just want to learn the basics here. And then if you want to go deep, you can. But the hippocampus, the basic function of it is actually short term memory. So, and this is the first step to learning is short-term memory. So information is first stored in our short-term memory before it can be converted into a permanent memory. So without any short-term memory, there can be no learning. You can't learn anything unless it actually goes through this one area first. So if you damage, so any damage to the hippocampus is a lot more than just, you know, disrupting this function, it is going to completely throw you off. So we're really learning so much about this part of our brain right now because I, you know, they don't, scientists didn't really realize when the hippocampus does get damaged through abuse, through gaslighting, through things like that, what really actually happens. And what happens is they actually did a study at a Stanford University and the University of New Orleans actually did the same thing and they found that there was a really tight correlation between high levels of stress um, with people who had experienced real traumas and abuse. So the more stressed a person was, the smaller their hippocampus actually became. So the more abuse and emotional stress that is put on us, the more it will affect our brain. And so um, no one really understood this until they really started diving into the different functions of the brain and examining how they responded after experiencing real traumas. So when you look at, so remember hippocampus, short-term memory, everything that you experience in life will go through the hippocampus first. Next is really understanding the amygdala. The amygdala controls our emotions and and functions, things like lust and fear and hate and and you know stress and all those things live there. So basically, the amygdala is where fight or flight is. To keep it like really basic and simple. So when you experience fight or flight, it's because the amygdala has been triggered. So if a narcissist keeps their victim in a high stress state, then of confusion, of abuse, of neglect, of real dysfunction, right? Think about a real serious emotionally abusive relationship. Think about emotional abuse passive aggressive, silent treatment, walking on eggshells, gaslighting, manipulation, all of those things. All those things have to deal with the mind, right? Their confusion tactics. So if a narcissist is keeping their victim in in these states often, then the amygdala is constantly alert. It is constantly walking on eggshells. So your fight or flight is going to constantly be ignited. 
It's going to be triggered all the time. So eventually these people fall into a permanent state of anxiety or fear with the amygdala reacting to the slightest you know, signs of abuse. So the more you are doing this over and over and over again, this is why people say to me, oh my God, I am still having anxiety and I haven't been out of, out of this relationship. I've been out of it for like three or four years. Like, why do I still feel this way? This is why you, your amygdala has been damaged. So any you know, effects long after a victim has been away from this person or escaped, you know, the dysfunctions of this relationship, they will continue to live with post-traumatic stress symptoms. They'll have increased phobias, panic attacks, um, all due to an enlarged amygdala that happens when the amygdala has been triggered time and time again. So you can see when stress appears for the hippocampus, it shrinks. When you know abuse or stressful situations or confusion happens with the amygdala, it becomes enlarged. So to protect anyone, to protect yourself or anyone else's self that is experiencing this from their own reality, the victims often use reality defense mechanisms or reality binding defense mechanisms that make it easier to cope such as things like projection so if i'm in a heightened heightened state of abuse my the only way to cope in situations is to basically do these things which we're going to go over so think about anyone whether you're in an emotionally abusive relationship a toxic relationship with um, your mother or your father or whatever that looks like when you were a kid even as a kid or as an adult you had to do these things in order to decompartmentalize in some way Hey guys, this episode is sponsored by our friends at Lambs. I get asked all the time, if you could do one easy thing to improve your health on a daily basis, what would it be? And my answer is usually Lambs Apparel, L-A-M-B-S. Lambs Apparel is the first radiation-proof apparel. Lambs created a unique fabric technology in their clothing that actually blocks 99% of wireless radiation, or EMF, and they protect you from everything such as cell phone, 4G, 5G, Wi-Fi and Bluetooth radiation. That is absolutely amazing. I love Lambs because their technology fabric not only protects you from the harmful effects of wireless radiation, such as cancer risks, but it is also documented to have positive effects on your HRV, resting heart rate, and sleep quality. For a limited time, Lambs is giving you guys an exclusive discount if you go to getlambs.com. That's G E T. L-A-M-B-S dot com and use code HEAL for 20% off at checkout. So there's really only three major things that can happen when you are trying to cope and, and essentially you're using these defense mechanisms in your life. And quite frankly, a lot of the times people that are using these are completely unaware that they're actually using them. Like I said, one of them is projection. So a victim is going to convince themselves that say for example the narcissist has positive traits or you know they're going to have compassion for them or try to understand why they're behaving in the way that they did so it kind of gives them a pass um, when in reality this may not be the case this is not okay Joe's just having a bad day this is Joe's just actually abusive 
The next thing that they're going to try to do, that the victim is going to do in order to deal and cope with the situation that they're in, is they're going to compartmentalize the situation. So victims that focus on the positive parts of the relationship and separate themselves from the abusive parts allows them to really actually just ignore the, the negative parts. So it's kind of similar to what I'm going to go into next, which is denial, but decompartmentalizing is saying, okay, I'm going to really focus on the positives and not acknowledge the negatives. So I'm putting these two things in different categories. And then of course, the last thing, like I said, is denial, which allows the victim to end up believing that their situation is really not bad at all because again, they're decompartmentalizing. So they're focusing strictly on the positives. So this is how people stay for years in a relationship. I mean, amongst other things, you have to have a really low sense of self and self-worth in order to, and really all that abuse that was given to you has really seeped into those inner core parts of yourself for you to not wake up one day and say, this is enough, I've had enough, I need to get out of this situation, I need to protect myself. Um, These things, the denial, the compartmentalizing and the projection, those are just defense mechanisms that we do in order to deal in the situation that we're actually in. So the hippocampus is perhaps the most critical part of the brain when it comes to knowledge and function. And everything that we do, understand, read, learn, rests solely on the hippocampus functioning properly. And this is because the hippocampus is involved in the formation of basically new memories and is also, you know, it's associated with learning and emotions. But the hippocampus, if it's damaged, when then the body's going to start to release, you know, that stress hormone essentially, and it's going to keep us in that stressed kind of walking on eggshell state of mind. And again, the cycle continues over and over again. So if this happens where your stress hormones are, what happens in the hippocampus is that the stress hormone actually attacks neurons inside the hippocampus and it causes the hippocampus to shrink. And so that's why um, the hippocampus will tend to get smaller when it's constantly in these stressful situations. The amygdala is then stimulated by the stress hormones from the hippocampus, which turns our thoughts and you know neural activity from increasing, and then we begin to worry and stress. So if our mental activity in the amygdala begins to kind of run at a high speed, essentially it's going to cause us to go into fight or flight. And that's kind of the you know, back end story of the amygdala and the hippocampus, but it's important to understand these two parts of our brain, when affected, it is going to push you over the over the edge towards real, you know, severe mental health because you're not able to grasp this fight or flight. You're gonna go straight into it, you're gonna keep feeding the stories, and you can see easily how a person can just stay stuck in dysfunction time and time again. So let's talk about really fixing these parts of our brain. And I think this is a huge part because a lot of people, you know, there's a part of healing that we all have to do, and there's this part of real core rebuilding. And so the good news is there's always a way to fix something. But the first step is ultimately 
the most important and really the most important one is quite frankly getting out of the dysfunctional relationship you know getting away from this person as much as you possibly can or you know completely learning how to put up a little bit of boundaries or that bubble around you if you have to go toe-to-toe with this person before any progress can really be made towards you kind of fixing and healing yourself in these ways you have to give yourself some space to really get this work done because it's really, really hard to fix something if someone's constantly kind of pounding it down and and making it worse. So it'd be like, all right, I got a Band-Aid on and it's starting to heal and someone comes off, rips the Band-Aid and just kind of, you know, smacks you down at the wound. It's really going to hurt like hell and actually might cause it to bleed a little. So learning how to deal with either narcissistic abuse or emotional abusive, uh, emotionally abusive person I think is really critical. So let's get into how to deal with this type of person if we can't go no contact with them. Okay, first off, let's call it for what it is here. The way to deal with abuse is to educate yourself. I mean, you have to know what abuse looks like. You have to know your your abuser. You have to know the person in front of you and what they predominantly do the most of. I always say, know your victim. Know your victim and know your abuser. You have to know where do you tend to get triggered and what does this person do to try to trigger you? What is their drink of choice? When you really understand that, when you've really educated yourself on all aspects of abuse and what it looks like, then you can really look at this person and say, okay, you do this all the time. And then when they start to do it, you'll start to spot it even quicker. Now that doesn't mean you're going to learn how to handle yourself when they do do this tactic, but at least it'll get the ball rolling towards you having more and more self-awareness as to when it's happening. Because awareness is power because in that moment of you being aware, you get to actually decide how you want to handle something. And again, it's a process. It's not going to just happen overnight. You're going to have to do it time and time again, where you recognize this tactic, this abuse, and you are in a position, the more it becomes familiar for you to challenge yourself to do the next next best thing in order to really protect yourself. The next thing after education is really going to be your boundaries. Now, obviously we know a narcissist will often push um, you to see how far you'll go and, and how far they can get you to be at that edge before you kind of explode essentially. But um, they may not be fully aware of it, but in many cases, it's not about the day-to-day kind of fighting and back and forth that you're doing. It's really about power and having power in the relationship. That's what someone who's abusive really wants. And so if, again, by education, if you know that, you can actually understand, well, where can I on some levels make this person think, okay, fine, yeah, you're winning, when in reality, I'm actually winning. And it's learning how to really play the game. It's learning about where are your boundaries, um, how do you wanna be treated, how are you feeling disrespected, when to disengage, when to set up consequences. And I think most people, if you're dealing with a real abuser, obviously you're not gonna sit there and say, hey, you violated my boundaries. What I would really appreciate is some respect and this is what I think respect should look like. Probably not gonna happen. So I think when you're dealing with someone who's abusive, it's not about setting up boundaries and verbally communicating them. It's more so learning how to disengage and learning how to enforce the boundary of I do not speak to you when you speak to me in this way and disengaging. 
I will no longer be playing nice in the sandbox and be able to help you out because when you when, when I do it, it's not reciprocated. So learning how to really enforce the boundary is going to probably be the hardest thing for you um, when you're dealing with this type of a person. Learning how to really assert yourself, and this is true for any person, but more so someone who is abusive because someone who is abusive knows who you are and they understand how to play this game with you. And so they know that you're not the type of person that has ever really been assertive. And so to actually go toe to toe with them and and state your boundaries or even enforce them, um, they're not used to that. And so even yourself, you're not used to doing it, but it will take practice and it'll come easier when you start to kind of start with like smaller goals. And that's why I said earlier, just being aware as to when someone's being disrespectful, when someone is violating a boundary, just you be having that self-awareness to maybe not even do anything yet, but just get comfortable in that space, then the next time you can maybe take it the next step further. I think a huge thing when you're dealing with someone who's abusive, because chances are you're the type of person that doesn't really like confrontation, <laughs> that's probably why this person seeked you out. Uh, you're not a person with a lot of boundaries, with a lot of self-esteem to really ever stick up for yourself in this way. And even if you have, and you are a person that is somewhat okay with verbally communicating with other people, maybe you become very emotionally reactive. You know, maybe you get angry really quickly. Maybe you, you know, can't handle your emotions too well when you're around this person. And so what you want to do is you want to be able to confront this person, but do it in a healthy way. So you don't want to run away from a fight. Um, you know, you you might want to just avoid the conversation altogether or avoid the boundary, but you want to learn where am I struggling? Am I struggling to deal with confrontation or am I struggling with learning how to deal with my emotions when being triggered by this person? So those are really huge things that, yay, you get to do that this person is teaching you by actually being a bully and someone who's really toxic in your life. So learning how to stand up for yourself, look them in the eye and speak up is a skill and that's something that you got to practice you know being a fuller person to show them that you're not going anywhere that they can't drown you out by shouting at you or bullying you or threatening you or any of those types of things that you're just standing calm and cool and collected you're just verbally communicating you're okay with looking at someone in the eye and telling them what you think and how you feel that's just a practice. And I think that as you do it over and over again with this person, because guess what? The good news is this person's probably not going to change. So you'll get to practice for a really long time with this person on these types of things. And sometimes it's the people that hurt us the most that are actually our greatest teachers. And I think that's one of my philosophies or sayings that I'll always say forever, because it's really true. The people that have, I know in my own personal life that have hurt me the most have been the people that forced me to do things that I didn't like doing and that I you know, wasn't comfortable with doing, but I had to push myself out of my comfort zone in order to be able to be healthy and to learn how to become a healthy person. So I hope you guys have enjoyed this. If you are interested in working with me, I always link all of my courses and private coaching or individual sessions down below. So if you are interested in talking with me one-on-one -on -one or booking an, an individual session, I will link that down below and I will see you next week.